Blog Talk Radio. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. Blog Talk Radio. Jean-Luc, Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodeck, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transporter, deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crusher's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Wyke is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Yes, good evening, people. You are listening to Stunt Trek. Don't let the Star Trek uh, theme song from Trek Talking and Beyond throw you off. This is Stunt Treks. It is Sunday, and yes, it's 7.30 instead of 7 o'clock. As you can tell, there's all kinds of technical difficulties. Blog Talk Radio, just like Facebook and Instagram had their problems, now Blog Talk is having theirs. We had our our show all set as usual. I went to log on and was told, we're sorry, you have no show tonight. And I had to scramble to try to get a show set up. And the best I could do was 7.30, and for some reason uh, it wouldn't let me set our usual theme song, which is the Vulcan music, and Blog Talk just used that song because that's the song that we use for 99% of our shows. So I apologize for the half-hour delay and for the wrong intro song, but don't worry because the Leslie Hoffman stunt woman extraordinaire is here with us. We will be talking about Aliens an alien makeup for the next hour, so we'll be here until 8.30 instead of 8 o'clock. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433, the same as it's always been, 646-668-2433. If you have a question for the Leslie Hoffman, give us a call, and she'll be more than happy to answer your question. So I apologize for the delay, and I apologize for all the errors that are going on, but I think we got it straightened out, and we're back. So let's get down to some stunt treks. How you doing tonight, Leslie? Oh, I'm doing fine. Well, you're you're the new Scotty. You know, it's like, oh, the ship is about to blow up, or or we can't get the ship moving. Can you, you know, how many minutes? How many minutes will it take for you to fix the ship? We'll do it in do it in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you all she's got, a Captain. I I had to scramble uh, when I went. We we just got back from uh, Freak Apples Geekery. We were playing a game of Star Trek Adventures. Came back. We had our dinner. I went to log on to the show, and the computer says, "You have no show scheduled for tonight." And I was like, "What? I know there's a show scheduled tonight. I scheduled it." Oh, what a nightmare! I had to scramble to get something done. But hey, I did it, and we're here. And the number is six four six 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 eight two four three three. If you have a question about Cardassians or Klingons or any alien makeup, uh, give us a call, 646-668-2433, and Leslie will be more than happy to answer your questions. So, Leslie, it's been quite a change from the weather we've had lately. I had my windows open, and and I was practically wearing shorts and T-shirts on Friday, and today... It's freezing cold again. The heat's back on. What's going on? I know. That's well. I I wrote to you about uh, you know how wonderful it was to see the the water coming down through the ice, cutting through the ice, and spring is on its way, and this and that. And then the next morning, I look out the window, and it's just snowing. I mean, we were having a blizzard up here. 
Wow, Mother and, Nature and, just doesn't and, want and to let go. What's that? Mother Nature just does not want to let go. <laughs> no. Yeah, I still, well, I'm, and I think at least for up here, uh, we're back into a cold spell. I I don't remember seeing anything going up in temperature this week. I know, it's, it's going to so. be in the 30s. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> a heat wave. <laughs> so, let, what do you say we talk about some alien makeup? How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Um, so, I guess the first one well, that's going to pop in my mind, of course, because anytime we're going to talk about aliens, there's my alien, and we know who that is, Klingons. Klingons. So, obviously, <laughs> you double Bolana Taurus, who was a Klingon. So, on a day that you you got a call to, and you had to double Roxanne as a Balana on Star Trek Voyager, what would be your typical day? How long would it take to get into the Balana makeup and stuff? And what, what was your typical? Walk us through your typical day on a, on a day that you had to be Balana. Well, on a day that I'd have to be, I would have to be Balana. I would have what they call was an early call. They they call it call times. Uh, so I might have to get to the studio at at about 5 a.m. because it takes um, well, it takes about an hour and a half or more to get into the makeup. But that's not even including getting into the costume. So I mean, you're you're looking probably all total two to two and a half hours before I can even walk on the set, you know, to to do my scenes. Um, so, you know, what, what happens is um, I, I drive. I lived in the San Fernando Valley, which is above where Paramount is. Paramount is in Hollywood. So I'd have to drive down from San Fernando Valley to Paramount, get on the lot, get my... Um, Stunt people have their own stunt pads. Uh, those are not on the set for us. So, you know, I, I park my car, get my stunt bag, uh, walk to my dressing room. Uh, stunt people are treated like actors are treated. We all get dressing rooms. Now, if you're star of the show, you get a trailer. You get this huge, like, 40-foot trailer or something. Um, for stunt people what they were called teardrop tra- trailers and that's exactly what they they were sort of like a little oval shaped teeny uh dressing room but it, but it was big enough to you know you were comfortable in it anyways so i drop off my stunt bag and due to unions you cannot just sit in a chair and have someone do everything and get you into makeup um First, I'd report, well, first, one or once in my trailer, I would have to put on this, like, uh, T-shirt that had a cutaway neck that was huge enough that once I was completely ready to get into my costume, I could take this uh, T-shirt off without messing up the makeup but ruining the hair. So that would be the first thing I would do is put on the T-shirt Then I'd go over to the hair department, and they would have to, uh, whether they pin-curled my hair up or or braided it and pinned it up, then they would put a a wig cap over my hair, but they wouldn't put the wig on yet. Once I had the wig cap on, I had to go over to the makeup department and have them uh, glue on the prosthetics that uh, Torres, you know, the the ridges and and I believe there was a nose piece for Torres. Um, and plus, aesthetics are not, um, what should I say, Klingon color. I mean, so first they have to glue them onto you, but then they have to take makeup and blend the prosthetics and your face to the same color 
um, you know, lipstick, whatever, whatever, you know, the makeup would be. Uh, and, and this all takes a lot of time. I mean, this is not a, um, you know, slipshod deal. I mean, they're very precise on the makeup. Uh, so once that was done, I would have to go back to hair, and they would put the wig on. But believe it or not, Torres's eyebrows are considered hair. So it actually was the hair department that would glue the eyebrows on the prosthetics. It wasn't it wasn't the uh makeup department that would put the eyebrows on. Uh let's see. What um then I'd go back to the, the dressing room and get into my costume and on a normal day I'd be ready to go. But uh on the episode Blood Fever where she had her repelling suit or I don't know what to call it that silver suit where she had it down around her waist, her arms were exposed, and believe it or not, there are multiple makeup departments, and the people that make up your face do not make up your body. So a different person had to come into my dressing room and and paint my arms to the right color. So that... <laughs> Well, I say that that was just getting ready. I mean, when you're done in the day, it still takes. Uh, well, you have to go through the same procedure. I mean, to get the prosthetics off is 45 minutes, but you know they still have to take the wig off and, and take the wig cap off, and you know unpin your hair, and so so many many hours are <laughs> just getting ready and and finishing up for the day. So uh, when you're doubling Bellana Torres, is that a prosthetic uh, made from her head and they just fit it to yours, or are they all custom-made? No. Um, the the prosthetics was – it it was um, – I'm losing the word – generic. The prosthetics, the, the forehead was generic, and – Let's say they might have to trim the edges a little bit to, to make it fit properly, but but no, it wasn't it wasn't molded like her piece wasn't molded to her head, and and my piece wasn't molded to my head. But the interesting thing is, um, <laughs> I got hand me downs. Uh, if you notice. Uh, Lana's hair was changing from season to season. Like one season, it sort of had waves in it. Other seasons, it was a little straighter, but maybe kind of curled under, you know, right at the very bottom. And what they would do is, I would get her last season's wig. They didn't. They didn't. They weren't going to. I feel like the wigs. Are you ready for this? The wig was like a four or five thousand dollar wig. How's that? <laughs> yeah. So, so like you say, what they would do, as opposed to making two four thousand dollar wigs in one season, I would get the 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 hair piece that she wore, or the wig that she wore the season before, and the, and they were able to to match it to her current wig. Wow, what were these wigs made thing, out of? Real human hair? <laughs> wow. I guess so. Well, uh, just kind of, uh, again, Hollywood it can be really crazy. Um, there was a movie called Silent Movie, um, Mel Brooks, and there was a scene where it was, a guy at a newspaper stand and they were going to throw all these bundles of newspapers you know on top of them well if you if you really threw a true bundle of newspapers on top of somebody multiple bundles of newspapers on somebody you'd really hurt them because they would weigh a ton uh so the the prop department and glued you know the front edge and the back edge to 
to like a box and then, you know, maybe a newspaper on top and a newspaper on bottom. And that was like $5,000 per bundle of of newspapers that were going to be thrown on this guy. I mean, it, it, it's almost like the government with... Uh, I forget the the nine hundred dollar toilet seat or screwdriver or something like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's so so like you say. Um, I I don't know what company was making these wigs, but that's how much they were charging. Wow. So, that's yeah. pretty. Have now, were you able to uh, do you actually have any of the any of the uh, stuff from the set, like, do you actually have a Klingon head or anything like that? I, I don't have a Klingon head. Uh, well, because they're always trying to save the prosthetics. Uh, for a while, I had some used uh, Vulcan ears that they had thrown away, and, and I kept them, but... Uh, uh, my move from California to New York, you know, I lost them. I mean, it's it's so sad how much memorabilia take with me from California to New York. Um, you know, you're talking about the Klingon head. Is my friend Tom Morga was like one of the first Klingons in the 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 newer type Klingon, not the TOS Klingon, but the movie Klingon. And they actually did make a, what they call a life mask or, you know, a head of Tom. And they used Tom's head to create the Klingon that you saw in the feature films. And I believe Tom still has uh, that head at his house in California. Wow, that, that is really cool. That Star Trek yeah, motion picture. He was the Klingon that was standing behind the captain, talking to him as, as which was played by Mark Leonard. He was the Klingon right behind Mark Leonard, who was telling him what was going on. Correct, and he also doubled Leonard Nimoy. He doubled Spock. So, wow, we, <laughs> he's battling himself. <laughs> Well, we we definitely uh, we definitely got to track him down and get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, I actually I uh, just spoke spoke to him on Saturday, and and I'm trying to get him to commit to a date in April, hopefully. Oh, that'd be great. That would be fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean there's. Tom Tom would need to be on the show multiple times because, uh, I mean, whether you want to talk about Klingons or whether whether you want to talk about feature films or whether you want to talk about uh, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise. I mean, Tom Tom has been almost every alien uh, possible, other than he's he's like six foot two, so he can't really be a Ferengi. <laughs> no. Be a Ferengi with a thyroid condition. <laughs> That's a big Ferengi. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, he he took steroids or something. <laughs> but, oh you know, boy. Well, just talking about with the Klingons is that you know it's a it's the same thing is is that they would have to go. To, to hair and get a wig cap and then go to makeup and get the prosthetics put on and then back to hair to get the Klingon wig put on and get the eyebrows put on. And and uh, I this is a question I guess you'd have to ask Tom, is that I don't know if the Sun people had the Klingon teeth or not. So that's a good question for Tom. And uh, but, uh, we're going to take a quick station identification break. But when we come back, um, I'm going to talk to Leslie about we, we know how long it took to become a Klingon, but just how long does it take to turn into a human 
once you're a Klingon. We're going to find out from Leslie right after this station identification break. Don't touch a dial. Don't go away. We'll be right back in 30 seconds. Hi, this is Jamie from Check Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. And that number that Jamie mentioned, 646-668-2433, is the same number you call for Trek Talking, for Stunt Trek, and Comic Corner. We're all the same big, happy family. So 646-668-2433. If you have a question for the Leslie Hoffman, stunt woman extraordinaire, give us a call right now, and she can answer your questions very happily. So, Leslie. We know how long it took to become Bellana Taurus, but once you were Bellana Taurus, what was it like to go back from being Bellana Taurus to becoming the Leslie Hoffman? Well, now now it's in reverse. So so um, you would go to hair first and have the four thousand dollar wig removed. <laughs> um. I don't remember if they took the wig cap off and and undid my hair at that point because it seems like if you went up to makeup and they started trying to take the prosthetics off, my hair might be in the way. So so I might have still been in the wig cap. I'm just <laughs> I have a brain freeze here at the moment. <laughs> but uh so then you go to makeup and because they want to save the prosthetics the way they they just won't rip it off your face and well let me, let me the way it normally the headpiece was or the forehead was put on was almost like what you've heard of tack welding that it was glue welding it's like they would put dots of glue like on all around the outside of your forehead and glue the piece on um i do have one day or story when they had a new person, new makeup person in the department and they proceeded to glue my whole forehead and stick the prosthetic on and it took them like over an hour to get this piece off of me after the end of the day because (laughs) because that's not the way you put it on. But what they do is, you know, again, it's glue so they have a solvent, and they have just a teeny little paintbrush, probably, I, I think paintbrush, little, you know, uh, like watercolor paintbrushes, you know, and I don't know if they're sized by number or whatever, but I mean, barely, whatever, 10, 15 little pieces of uh, whatever makes up a a paintbrush. Um, and they're dipping it in the solvent, and and they're just kind of gently peeling up the uh, the forehead, and and you know just trying to to dab uh, the solvent in there to to loosen it up so they don't rip the prosthetic. Um, so so you know it, it definitely could take forty five minutes or more just to to get that off. And then, like you say, if I was still wearing the wig cap, that means that once they got the prosthetic off me, I had to go back down to hair and get the wig cap off and have them unpin my hair. I mean, again, well, like you say, it it is unions. It isn't like it's the end of the day and you start ripping off wigs and ripping off makeup. I mean, that that is a definite no-no. That would definitely be frowned upon if you did that. Wow, I don't know. This might be a dumb question. I know when I dress up as a Klingon, I have my wig uh, actually pinned to the to the to the Klingon forehead, and I have a, a um, piece of um, like like a rubber elastic band 
that I put around my head to hold it on. I don't glue anything on me. I just put the band on there to, uh, tight enough to hold it on. And the wig and the prosthetic are all one piece. So how did they how did they hide the seam between the prosthetic and the hair if it wasn't all one piece? Uh, well, in in makeup terms, they just call it blending. I mean, it's like how do they uh, how do they cover the line of the prosthetics from where the prosthetics ends and my face is still exposed? You know, it's just a matter of uh, makeup and and just blending it real good. And and I think the wig, you know, the wig kind of came down over the top of the prosthetics, you know, the top part of the prosthetics. So so it wasn't like there was it wasn't like there was where my prosthetics would end, my skin, and then the wig. I mean, it it was the prosthetics and then immediately the wig. Okay, so the, so the wig hung a little bit, uh, covered that top seam just a little bit. Right, right, and and Klingons, whether you're Taurus, whether you're one of the warriors, um, you know, it, it, there's there's long hair. I know I know that some Klingons had the hair pulled back, but but you know you you had hair on the side and hair on the top. Um, that that like I say well it 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 just blended it it they just they made it work <laughs> i guess i could say it's not my department i don't know what movie magic they did but they did it well <laughs> but uh it it it's interesting i mean you know like like a Bajoran, all you have is a little nose piece on, you know, on the ridge of your nose. So, so that went fairly quickly. Um, Cardassian, that that was definitely two hours or more. Um, actually, um, um, there was the Kazons. That's an interesting story. It isn't necessarily makeup. It's more a hair story. Is when they originally introduced the Kazons, those, I don't know, looked like rocks in their hair. Do you remember them? Yeah, I, I never, I, they were like Klingons having a bad hair day. Right, right. Well, those original wigs, those pieces of rock or whatever they were supposed to be, actually were solid. And the stuntmen were falling on it, and you know, well, no one, no one got injured per se, but but it was, it was painful to fall on top of this this solid piece that's in your hair. So the next season, um, they they made the wigs with with um, probably the same material that the prosthetics are made out of. You know, more of a a rubber instead of something solid. So when the stunt people were falling, <laughs> they weren't knocking themselves out with these pieces of rock. But um, let's see. Uh, I'm 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 looking at my cheat list here. Borgs, Borgs. That that was, you know, because every Borg was different. So you know, some would have like that kind of telescope eye or an eye with a little finger bobber sticking out of it or and and you know they had had claws as opposed or they they you know they might have one hand but the other arm might have a claw on the end of it so i mean it 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 was it was great being different aliens i mean and i'm, I'm kind of talking for all stunt people now uh, but, but again, you know, you have a script that says you, you're supposed to have a fight or you're supposed to fall down or whatever. <laughs> and, and, uh, I mean, some of these costumes just couldn't take stunt work. Um, one season of, um, Voyager, they were going to have this alien called the Swarm, but this alien was basically completely... Um, like the foam rubber suit, and 
it was like every time the stuntmen would accidentally hit the corner of of you know a panel in on you know on uh Voyager it would rip the suit it would rip it would rip into the um the rubber so so uh, they did one season or well not one season I'm sorry one episode with the swarm where they were going to have the swarm as the airplane for the season and they just realized they it was going to be too expensive I mean you know the, the <laughs> it it just wasn't going to work but um wow yeah I mean it's and then kind of talking about costumes like you say um even even like the Klingons, I'm, and you have a costume, is that uh, on the toe part? I mean, you know, that stunt guys have to, to fight <laughs> these, like, motorcycle boots that have this hook on the end of the toe? I mean, it, again, it, it, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> but sometimes wardrobe and makeup just made it so, so... I mean, they didn't do it on purpose, but, but you know, it wasn't – it ended up not being feasible a lot of times. Now, um, oh, and then, we're, we're, talking, we're yeah. talking about uh, the, the TV shows right now, but you also worked on, on uh, Alienation, the movie, uh, with James Caan in it. Now, is there a difference between makeup calls for a movie versus makeup calls for a TV show, or are they basically all the same? Well, I was a human in that, but Tom Tom was uh, one of the aliens. So, again, I guess that's a question for Tom of how long it took. I I would say, you know, with with aliens, whether television shows, whether movies, it it's still going to take the same amount of time to get a person in into makeup. So. Well, I say whether whether feature film or whether episodic television, it just is going to take that long. I mean, you you, well, you just can't hurry it. You know, when you're watching it on a, a 60 foot movie screen, it's going to be a lot less forgiving than a TV screen would be, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, I would what think that um, it, it, the slightest mistake or or are not blending properly or whatever it might be in a movie, you're 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 going to notice that right away. Whereas my TV screen, yeah, you know, I'm not really going to notice it that much because it's so much smaller. So I I I would think that it would take longer in a movie because they want to make sure it's absolutely totally perfect. But may, maybe they're all the same, and there really is no difference. I, I don't know. Well, actually, um, you know, I was gonna. This was something I was gonna wrap up with, but but I'll I'll talk about it right now. Is is that uh, so? On uh, Star Trek Discovery, you have Doug Jones, who is uh, Saru, but he was also the uh, amphibian man in The Shape of Water. So I don't know. It, it again, you got television, you got a feature film, and and I still say that that uh, you got to do it right for both both television and and feature film. Well, nowadays you got whatever sixty five inch television screens, seventy something television screens. I mean, um, media is very unforgiving now. I mean, you can't you can't have a mistake. Um, well, like if if you watch the original Star Trek, you might actually see uh, the line between Spock's ear and Leonard Nimoy's ear. You know, you you might see a slight color difference, but but nowadays, I mean, they they can't even begin to do something like that. They gotta they gotta make sure it's absolutely perfect. Well, yeah, because with the lines of resolution and HD and super HD and whatnot that we have today, 
like Star Trek Discovery, I think if you're looking at Saru's makeup on Star Trek Discovery on your 65-inch plasma screen HD curved TV screen, and they were to release Star Trek Discovery in the movies, I really don't think you would notice a difference between that because it's such it's already full high definition. But like you said, the original Star Trek, uh, you can actually, you know, if you look carefully, you can see coffee stains on, on Leonard Nimoy's uniform. Uh, you can see a lot of flaws that show up um, when they when they transferred everything and remastered it into HD. Those old, you know, those old 35 millimeter films didn't transfer well. And you, you do notice a lot of those things that you never noticed before. But you know what? That was the 60s, and I don't hold that against them. That's just the time. Yeah, no, I... You know? Hey, believe it or believe it or not, I still love the original Planet of the Apes. I don't care whether you oh saw the actors' real teeth or not. I mean, it was amazing that Roddy McDowell with... with And that was the beginning of prosthetics. That was the beginning of, you know, gluing things on people's face. Um what a what a brilliant actor to to bring bring this ape to life. And you know what? Wendy? I mean, again, I, I don't I don't care that you might see a double set of teeth. I mean, you uh, know, nowadays. Nineteen sixty eight was the first Planet of the Apes movie. It was nineteen sixty eight? They made five movies, and in nineteen seventy three, seventy four. They made a Planet of the Apes TV series, which ran for one full season. And even now, once in a while, of course, and then they made the 2001 Planet of the Apes, then they made the whole new Planet of the Apes trilogy, which uh, just wrapped up last year. But even through all that, I still think that Roddy McDowell and the original Planet of the Apes, you could put that on today, right now, and watch that right now, and that movie still holds up but through the test of time those make the, the eight oh, makeups that they made in that movie are just as good today as they were in the 60s i have no problem when i watch that movie of fully being immersed in that world and really believing that rowdy mcdowell is an ape the, the makeup they did was so good even for the 60s even by today's standards they did a phenomenal job with that they really, really, really did. I mean, you got to realize anything from the '60s and before. You didn't, you didn't have CGI. You didn't have um, um, motion capture actors. I mean, that that came later. Uh, you know, like in Forrest Gump, uh, the lieutenant when he loses the leg, they just kind of blue screen the leg out. But they used a computer. Now, back in the 50s, if if you had uh, Long John Silver and uh, Treasure Island, I mean, they would they would just take the per- the actor's leg and and tape it up behind them. You know, have them bend their leg and, and just try to hide it behind the other leg or behind your leg. So so you got to give a lot of credit to to what they were able to accomplish before computers ever came into being. You know, and then and speaking, uh, I say these. Yep. Speaking of computers, I do think that sometimes computers can be overused. I have nothing against computers and CGI, not at all. But I'll give you a perfect example. Um, in 1982, um, John Carpenter made a movie called The Thing. It was a remake of the original Thing, but in 1982 he made The Thing, and it was all done with puppets and makeup and practical effects. Classic, classic movie. They remade that movie in uh, 2017, and they did all the special effects with CGI and very little um, practical effects with puppets and, and robots and things of that nature. And even though the, the, the new version was visually much more stimulating and looked much more better because of, uh, of the, the HD quality and the money they spent on the CGI, I just, I prefer the original one. And when I watch the new one, 
it, it jumps off the screen at me and screams, CGI, CGI. And I just, you know, sometimes if CGI is used too much, it doesn't work. It needs to be used in the, in the right dosage in order to fool your eye. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, that's, well, and, and for me, you know, I, I try to watch a show to, to watch the story, but, but I can get sidetracked if I see something wrong or, or whatever. And, and like Spider-Man, you know, when, when he's, swinging and flipping through the air and all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm going, that's CGI. You know, it's obviously not human anymore. And and it just, exactly. to me, it takes away from it. So uh, we're going to take another quick station identification break. Don't touch your dial. We'll be right back after this quick 30-second break. This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi-related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433 on Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast Time. Hailing frequencies are always open, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. And we're back with the Leslie Hoffman, stunt woman extraordinaire. And we're talking about CGI uh, versus makeup and visual. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I think if it's, if it's used properly and if it's used in, in the right doses, I think CGI can work. But, you know, I don't think anything can ever really beat the real thing if it's done properly. No. You know, perfect perfect no. example and- – in 1980, when they made um, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, they used a puppet for Yoda that, that Frank Oz uh, did the voice for. And when they made the new Star Wars movies, they digitized them and used a CGI Yoda. I, right away, I was like, oh, my God, that's not Yoda. It, 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 didn't, it just didn't move right. It didn't look right. Um, visually, it was stunning. But it, 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 it lost part of its appeal. And oddly enough, the funny part is when they made The Last Jedi last year, in, order, in an attempt to make it as authentic as possible, they went back to Lucasfilm and they pulled out the original Yoda that they used in the 1980 movie and used that in the movie and didn't digitize Yoda at all. It was the actual puppet from the movie and fans complained that Yoda looked ridiculous. I thought he looked spectacular. So it just goes to show you, you know, you can't please them all. You can't please all the people all the time, so you can only be happy with some of the people some of the time, right? Right. I mean, again, I don't know. I, um, It's like Ray Harryhausen with King Kong. I mean, you're talking about, I think, 1933, and what he did to animate King Kong or the skeleton warriors in, I think it's Jason and the Argonauts, I mean, that man was way ahead of his time. And this is, again, pre-computers. Uh, you're talking about Yoda. I mean, now you're talking about Jim Henson and Frank Oz and the Muppets. I mean, those those guys could make a puppet look absolutely real. I mean, uh, I guess I've read articles, you know, that, that when they had the Muppet show, people you know, and the guest stars, I mean, they, they'd really start talking to the Muppet because they truly believed that this Muppet was real. I mean, it, that's how good these puppeteers were. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Are, are you telling me that there's no such thing as Kermit the Frog? You didn't know that? Yes. Yoda. Yoda I, I is Jim. Is a, that, I think Yoda was done by Frank Oz, or I think Jim had already passed away, or we'd have to look that up. But, uh, yeah, Yoda. Yoda's a Muppet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I'm, I'm ruined. Just, I'm ruined. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm destroyed. I'm, I'm crushed for life. <laughs> 
No, but I do it's think I do think that being Jesus green. Is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but you're right. No, I, I, I do think that. Well, like like labyrinth. I mean, you know, that was all Jim Henson and and. And all, all those were all technically Muppets, or they were Jim Henson creations. Yoda, Yoda was, uh, why you say, from the Henson Studio? Yep, he definitely was. And you know, and and I, I his see... eyes were they took Einstein's eyes, or they, you know, to make him look wise, they decided to recreate Einstein's eyes, and that to give him that knowledgeable look. And it worked. Yeah. Very well. No, yeah, I'm, I I would have to go back and see who voiced him, but I think it was Frank Oz. I, I think you're right. I think I think you're right. I think it was Frank Oz that voiced Yoda. Yeah. So, um I think you're right. No, it's a, you know, it's like, uh, well, and now we're kind of jumping all over the place. Like, again, uh, CGI, uh, like Pirates of the Caribbean, I, I can't think of, I don't know if it was, whatever, the bad guy pirate that had the tentacles. You know, I mean, they had the actor do the scene, but, but then they they put the tentacles in after the fact. Uh, this is, you know, where they call the motion capture, is that they would put these like dots on your face, and and you you'd film the scene, but then then they would run it through a computer, and where the dots were, you know, they would add the tentacles and and make them kind of move around. Now, but, but Leslie, when you were working on Star Trek. During your days on Star Trek, I'm not sure how far back that goes, but did they do anything like similar to that or anything like that when you were on Star Trek? Did they do like a lot of green screening and, and motion stuff like that on Star Trek, or was it all just, just, Leslie, fall off this cliff. Leslie, do this, do that. Well, now we're going to split hairs, is that the green screen was used to create uh, maybe the background of a planet or a vortex or a black hole or something, but it was never used to uh, enhance an alien. It wasn't used for a face. So, so no, uh, the, the budget would not allow, uh, at least, you know, in the 90s, the budget would not allow uh, CGI for alien makeup or being an alien it was it was all um the makeup department and the actors and definitely definitely original star trek um you know that's why there weren't that much uh you know Klingons were just painted a darker color and maybe had a beard or something like that i mean there was no budget back then to speak of. Right. I mean, it was still very expensive to do it, but there was no budget for, uh, uh, well, like, um, uh, like the, the salt monster or the Gorn, that was like a solid piece suit. I mean, you know, they just zipped the actor into it. So it wasn't uh, even like gluing pieces here, onto you. Let me ask you a question while I've got you here. I know uh, for our fans that don't know this, Leslie joins us on Trek Talking on Thursday night when we talk about stuff like this. But I know some of you people might not be able to listen to Trek Talking or maybe you're just not aware of it. So I'm going to kind of double up and ask Leslie a question that we've already talked about, but for you guys. So speaking about the Telosians and TOS, what did you think about the Telosians from TOS versus the Telosians that were reimagined for the most recent episode of Star Trek, if memory serves, when they went back to Talos Four. So you have the 2019 version of Talos Four singing plants and Telosians versus the 1964 version of the same exact thing. Do you think they did, do you think they did, you know, good in the way they tried to reproduce that for today? 
I I think so. I mean, again, you're talking about what did the audience accept in the 1960s, and I think the Philosians that were in the 1960s, you know, I I still love them today. I you know they're they're highly recognizable. I love them, um, but to, but you know to, today you have people that I'll say expects more. I mean, they might start laughing at 1960s makeup. Um, so the telosians that that were used um, in 2019 were also acceptable. You know, I I, I had no problem with them. Well, I say I you know <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to make a, a a statement that I love the 1960s better than I like the 19 or 2019s or I like the 2019s better than I like the 1960s. They are what they were for that time period. Um, yeah, and I, and I agree so I, with you I, completely. The, the original Telosians are classic. The little pulsing veins in the back of their heads. Those those aliens are extremely memorable, and you even you'll see some of them walking around conventions even today. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, well, I, I think they, I think they did you know. Well, one of the things that I brought up on Trek Talking was, I feel like the way the Telosians were described in the original episode or in the the menagerie in the cage was that they couldn't repair machines anymore. They basically were not physical anymore. All they could use was their minds, you know, and and live these emotions. And therefore, I thought it made sense that they had women being the Colossians with the slender bodies, while in 2019, I forgot the guy's name or or whatever they called the head guy, um, to me, he he looked buffed out. I mean, not that you could see a six pack or anything, but he definitely had wide shoulders. I mean, he looked he he looked pretty substantial, and and that was a little confusing for me. Again, I could still accept it, but it was it was like, wow, that's some heavy dude lotion there. <laughs> He's been working out instead of having dreams. <laughs> <laughs> it was Arnold Schwarzenegger Telosian. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Maybe he was having a dream of working out in the gym. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, well, well, uh I wanted to back up on one thing. So so the other thing about uh, during the time period that, that you know, when when stunt people were doing fights on uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, uh, Voyager, is that if you had a long wig, the makeup, even though they, what they call powdered it down so it wouldn't be shiny to the camera, it was still sticky. And, you know, they were still, like, you know, it was, I can't think of the right word, not, it wasn't powdered makeup, it was, you know, it was like a cream makeup or whatever you would call it. Uh, grease makeup. There we go. It's grease makeup. So, so you know, you're fighting and you're swinging your head and the wig comes around and it just sticks across your eyes. <laughs> I mean, we, sometimes we'd have to stop some takes because we couldn't see where we were going anymore. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> So, so uh, you know, I, we're just about out of time. We've got less than five minutes to go. So I just want to remind everybody um, that's listening, it, it's currently Sunday night at 8.30 because we had a slight problem with the programming, but we'll be back at 7 next week. Don't worry. What are we going to talk about next week, Leslie? What do we want to discuss? Boy, I, I've i been trying to think of things, and actually I would love to open this up to people on Trek Talking or uh, the other Star Trek sites. I, I'd be curious if, if uh, we might get uh, some suggestions from the fans that are listening. 
Yeah, we will. So we will definitely be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel with the Leslie Hoffman. And whatever you guys want to talk about, just go on our Facebook page and shoot us a message. You can also go to the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization page on Facebook and uh, shoot us a message there. And we will schedule a show based on whatever topic you guys want to talk about. But don't worry, because me and Leslie will be back next Sunday. And we'll find something to talk about. We always do, right, Leslie? Right. Even if it's Planet of the Apes, we'll be talking about something right. here. And <laughs> or, or Frank I just wanna... doing Yoda. <laughs> yep, you never can tell what you're going to hear on Stunt Trek. And I just want to let you guys know that Leslie will be with us on Thursday night on Trek Talking from 7.30 to 9.30. We're going to be talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and Lieutenant Commander Arium and what happened with her, what we think happened with her. We're going to be talking about that in great length and great detail, so you want to tune in for that. We're also going to have um, on the show uh, Joshua Michael Irwin and Victoria Fox, who are producers of the um, Star Trek fan film Demons. Well, they're working on Demons. Um, they also produced Ghost Ship Part 1 and Part 2. We had them on the show a couple of months back when they're trying to raise money for another Star Trek project, and we're going to have them on to talk about that project. So give them a call you know, 646-668. Just, I, I, yep, watched, I, I just watched that episode, again, with computers and personal computers. Their computer effects and, and all that kind of stuff are so far advanced to, you know, what, what uh, Desilu had to work with in the 60s. I mean, it's, it's amazing what people can do with fan films now. It is. They they look really good. And um, being a Star Trek fan myself, uh, we always want to help fans get the word out and promote their projects. And so if, if you're producing a fan film yourself, if you're listening to this, shoot us a message and we'll get you on our show so you can share your dreams and your project with everybody. We're, that's that's what we're here for. Um, I just happen to know Ray Tessie from Stage 9. I'm sorry, not Stage 9, from the Neutral Zone Studios. And these guys worked with Ray and so I asked Ray if he could put us in touch with them, so that's how we were able to make that all work out. But if you guys know someone that's working on a Star Trek fan film, we'll get it posted on Trek Talking so the fans can see it, and then we can have you on the show so fans can call and talk about it, and then you can you know, answer questions and tell us about what it was like to make your dream a reality. That's, that's what we want to help you do. So we are going to have Joshua Michael Ehren and Victoria Fox, who are the producers. Actually, Victoria stars in uh in the um demons and ghost ship as amanda beck so she's actually acts in it as well as produces in it so you can check that out that's going to be thursday night 7 30 to 9 30 uh, because orville is currently on hiatus for the next two weeks so we're going to we're going to have uh, these guys on and talk about well we always talk about discovery but leslie will be with us as well so you can tune in and uh ask leslie questions as well on trek talk and she'll be here for everything and um, Comet Corner will be the first Monday of next month. We're going to have a two-hour show because we have a lot of books to talk about. I think we have five, maybe six. So we have a lot to talk about. So with that, I'm going to say good night, Leslie. It's been, a, it's been a real hoot talking with you, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Oh, it's always great talking with you, Jim. And you have a good night. And try to stay warm up there. Yeah, I I don't know. I think the, this week is in the twenties again. We're back to the twenties, possibly lower. <laughs> it's, it's not that much warmer. Not that much warmer here in Vermont either. So with that, we're going to say good night, yeah. everybody, and make sure you check in next week. Good night, Leslie. Good night, Jim. Let's see what's out there. Engage.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.